You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you this day for those who have come before us in faith, who have, despite their imperfections, cleaved to your one eternal gospel and passed it along to us that we might know you too. Strengthen us, O Lord, to stand firm amidst the winds that batter us and shift us in this life. And strengthen us that as we receive this gift of your word now, we may have a right understanding of it for that strength. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this passage from Revelation, and this is a shameless plug for my class at 11 o'clock. This passage from Revelation was exactly the kind of thing that most offended me before... I came to faith. The kind of passage. An eternal gospel is being proclaimed. That word gospel is evangelion. That's a military declaration of triumph on the part of God. And the angel with this eternal gospel says, Fear God and give Him glory. This is the kind of thing that, as a non-believer, struck me in the worst possible ways. Fear God? Why should I be afraid of God? How can I possibly love God and fear God? Now that's long before I discovered Martin Luther's small catechism where he gives that as the instruction for every one of the Ten Commandments. But what offended me more than that was this give glory to God. Because I heard that in a purely human kind of way. I heard that the way I heard any other thing in my life. And the glory I I thought we were being called to give was the kind of glory you give to a vaunted military leader or a politician or some ideology of the world. And I thought to myself, why does God need that from me? What kind of egotist is this? who these Christians serve. But after I'd become convinced of the resurrection and began to explore these issues more in depth, what I came to realize is that context is very important and the glory being spoken of here is not the kind of glory we see, for instance, in Isaiah 6 where the prophet is being called into his ministry and he has entered the temple and the glory of God is pictured as God's long robe like a king would wear dragging behind him and his glory is filling the temple. That's the kind of glory that God alone possesses and that is then passed on to us when we interact with him. But here the angel says, give glory to God. 
So this is clearly something we can possess and pass on to someone else, namely God Himself. What is this glory that the angel's speaking of? I get the eternal victory over sin, death, and the devil. That's the military declaration. Fear God. Anyone who can put down Satan, which is more than I can manage, is deserving of a little respect. But what kind of glory is it that we can possess and so give away? Augustine famously said that we are not homo sapiens, we are homo religiosus. Homo sapiens means the wise one. Homo religiosus means the one who worships. We were created for and will inevitably worship something. And that is the thing to which we give glory. Whatever it is that we found our lives upon. Whatever it is we count on in the clutch. Whatever it is we cry out to when we're falling, like I did yesterday. I was working on my deck and I got a wonky hand because of it. But I don't have a wonky head, so I'm grateful. That is our God. It's that to which we give glory. And we give glory to all kinds of things in this life. Things that we think are ultimate, in which we found our sense of identity, our our actions in our life upon. Some people give it to the nation state. Nationalism is a bugaboo, especially since World War I and II. Well, World's I and II. Because we've seen how nationalism can go wrong. Some people base their identity on their sexual identity or their ethnic identity. That too is a weak foundation. Some people base it upon their 401k and their financial standing. Some people base it on their status among others. All of these things that we think are foundational can be revealed to not be the rock we think they are to stand upon. And it happens when you're most stressed, when you feel like you need that stance. As the winds are buffeting you back and forth, as the waves are crashing upon you, you want a firm foundation beneath your feet. Martin Luther wrote the hymn we're going to sing after this sermon, A Mighty Fortress, reflecting upon Psalm 46, which probably has one of the more famous lines of Scripture in it, Be still and know that I am God. Meaning, have peace, because I am the firm foundation. So he doesn't say, my faith is a mighty fortress. He says, a mighty fortress is our God. He protects us. He is the foundation. When without a good foundation, we can be knocked down quite easily. And anything besides God, the true God, will be revealed to be as strong as we might think it is, something that will fall apart when the the chips are really down. This is why God is so stridently against idolatry in the Old Testament and the New. Because idolatry is worshiping a false god and a false god will always fail you. A false god will lead you into horrible, self-destructive and destructive of others' behavior. Foundation needs to be the truth, 
which is Him alone. And He alone can bear the weight of the glory you have to give. You will give glory to something in your life. Everyone does. Everyone has one thing they think is sacrosanct. And they'll give glory to that. That'll be their tribe. That'll be their ideology. That will be their identity. God alone can bear the weight of the glory we as humans have to give without cracking and falling to pieces beneath our feet. A great example of this, of how things can give way beneath our feet was found in the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Molly, could you go to the next screen, please? Is it here? One more? There it is. That's, this is opening day in July of 1940. You can see the cars parading across it. Much pomp and circumstance. I believe the, I saw the ribbon-cutting ceremony at one point. There's a general probably engaged in World War II cutting that thing. It was a marvel of human technology, engineering, and ingenuity. The third longest bridge in the entire world when it was made, and I believe the longest suspension bridge. Well, this bridge, this amazing piece of of technology, quickly gained a nickname. Gallopin' Gertie. Because when the wind, wind would breeze, it would sway up and down like this gently. I've, got, I've seen videos of people walking across, and I can't, you have to keep your knees bent a little bit. But it became an attraction. People came from all over. If you were in the upper northwest of the United States, you came so you could walk across Gallup and Gertie. And that, thousands of people did it for about four months. And then on November 7th of 1940... A sustained wind of between 35 and 42 miles an hour blew. And that set up a resonance frequency. The bridge almost began to hum until this happened. This is what it looked like on November 7th, 1940. That's concrete and steel, people. That's a car stalled in the middle of the bridge. One engineer went out at the center to check what was going on until about an hour later this happened. Fortunately, no human lives were lost. Unfortunately, there was a dog trapped in that car who wouldn't get out. That was the best human beings could do. That's become something you learn about in engineering class. They study this. My son's going to be a mechanical engineer. They study this to learn where the errors were in their ways and they continue to build bridges based on what they learned from what went wrong there. But the bottom line is that it was the best human beings could do. And it worked for a while. Until under the right set of stresses, things came apart. And it's like that with anything else we ascribe our ultimate hopes to. If it's not the true and living God. The final Reformation, Sola. We've been through them together throughout October. Through Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. The final one is glory to God alone. Not because God is some demanding egotist, but because He alone can bear the weight of our worship without cracking and falling to pieces beneath our feet.
And in His grace, He calls us unto a life of faith. He calls us and gives us His word to build us up. That we know our, the foundation beneath our feet is firm. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, we put our feet upon many things in this life and think they are solid till under the right set of stresses they give way and crumble. But you alone endure from generation to generation and age to age. In you is life eternal. And some 3,700 years after you first revealed your name to humanity, millions praise you and turn to you as their one hope that does not alter or change. Bless us that we may do the same, building our lives upon the solid rock of Christ our Lord and the scriptures that testify truly to him. Build us up in community to do this. We ask it in his name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.